Welcome to the Life Well Done Podcast. I'm your host, Brian. I'm a strength conditioning and mental performance coach. On this podcast, we discuss all things movement, mindset, and nutrition. I'm on a mission to help you break free of your mental prison and uncover your most powerful self so your best days are no longer a thing of the past. If you enjoy listening, please be sure to rate and review the podcast and share it with someone you think needs to hear it. You can connect with me on Instagram at lifewelldone. Uh, sweet dude, RK, we're uh, we're ready to rock and roll here. Um, usually, we take a couple minutes and like catch up with everybody that I'm talking to, right? And we are just uh, fast tracking this today because uh, I feel like anything that we are about to get into to catch up with is going to would would have been the podcast. So yeah, um, chances are good, absolutely. <laughs> so, dude, I'm I'm super pumped to to get to chat with you and uh, fellow Block One uh, mm-hmm. Power Athlete Block One and. Um, we kind of, we, we, we did a ton of studying together virtually yeah, uh, for, for the CSCS. So we haven't really, other than a few messages here and there, we haven't caught up, but uh, for anybody listening, man, um, give an introduction of who you are, what you're, what you're up to. And, um, and then we'll, we'll promptly get into yeah. the mess of, of life right now. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of dissecting it, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so just for, you know, for who I am and where I am right now, um, you know, right, right now I'm the head strength and conditioning coach for Rugby United New York, which is the Major League Rugby team out of New York City. And so I'm currently in Jersey City. I'm finishing up my quarantine after traveling up here. And then I'll be able to, to start with the team. Super excited about that. Oh. And yeah, so, you know, I've got my, my, my block one, as you mentioned, uh, which is definitely the, the coaching, uh, I guess, certification, you could say, or designator that I'm most proud of, for yeah, sure. And then I've also got my CSCS. You mentioned we studied for that, you know, last year with Lewis. That was that was a great time, man. Yeah. <laughs> it was a ride. Day for like two hours, just <laughs> digging into it. That was good. And then, yeah, I've also got, you know, my master's in fitness and performance, bachelor's in kinesiology, that kind of a thing. So like all, all of that, you know, stuff behind me. Um, but it's really crazy, dude, because this is essentially even though this is technically my second strength and conditioning specific job um it's really the first one i've been able to truly dive into and do some in-person coaching in this kind of a professional setting sure um and like i'm you know not even 30 yet and here i am head head snc coach so that's so nuts. cool dude that's yeah. so cool yeah not what i was expecting my my trajectory to be at all from, you know it's all it works yeah. dude if you told me a year ago this is where i'd be i would have laughed and been like wow you're smoking some really great drugs there dude yeah, yeah. dude well, uh well, there's <laughs> there's so much inside of that like i know probably just enough to ask uh, a few questions that are piquing mm-hmm. my own interest but um you're an army vet aren't you i i am yeah so um, okay right. yeah so just to kind of give a quick recap of that whole thing if, if you want yeah uh, yeah dude, I, I'd okay, love to cool that. yep i can just kind of provide that real quick so i'm an air force brat i grew up kind of all over the place I and mean, my dad was 26 years in the air force uh, so growing up, I wanted to be a pilot and thought I was going to go in the Air Force, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then I got into high school and realized I wanted to do physical therapy. Mm-hmm. I was like the classic high school athlete that just was constantly injured, could <laughs> never get healthy, would get healthy and would be in a competition or two, whether it was swimming, wrestling, rowing, football. I, I did all those things. Um, I did cross country one year, like, et cetera, just any sport that I could get into. And would always end up getting hurt, um, which got me really interested in, you know, recovery and how do you actually train for performance? So like from a young age, I've been interested in those things. And that kind of manifested in me thinking, well, I think I want to be a physical therapist. 
and I know I want to go in the military and I think I want to be a military physical therapist. So I started looking at the service academies and West Point's the only one that has a kinesiology program and um, the Air Force Academy and Naval Academy have like biology and life sciences, kind of a more traditional pre-med route. Sure. Um, and the army also has, and this is where, you know, my mind turned logical, which with the military, as you know, is uh, not the way to go. So the army also has a doctor of physical therapy program that they partner with Baylor university through. And I was like, oh my gosh, kinesiology degree from West Point. I'm clearly going to get into the, you know, the Baylor DBT program. Like yeah. that's perfect. I'll go, I'll go to West Point and I'll get this degree and then I'll be an army physical therapist. And like, I'm going to help, you know, like wounded soldiers and I'm going to help soldiers stay fit and healthy for their jobs. Like I was just straight line, like, Oh yeah, that's totally what I'm going to do. So seem that hard. (laughs) (laughs) What are all these adults talking about? Life doesn't get that crazy. This is simple. (laughs) No, so simple. Everyone everyone keeps talking about like, Oh, you never know where life's going to take you. I knew where life was taking me. Right. So yeah, man. So I I went through the whole rigmarole of, of applying to the academies and it's not, in my opinion, it's not that hard. It's just a pain in the ass. Um, are you willing to do it? <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, are you willing to go through the application process? That weeds out a lot of folks. Yeah. Um, so I went, I went ahead and I did it. And again, my dad being career Air Force, he was like, well, if you're applying to West Point, you have to apply to all three service academies hmm. and you have to apply to Air Force ROTC, uh, which looking back, I really appreciate. At the time, I did not. <laughs> um, but looking back, I'm like, damn, I should listen to my dad more, you know, probably something that us guys think think a lot. I think as you approach 30, particularly 30, every man is like, Ooh, yeah. Just kind of look back on things. Mm. Like, Oh, I should have listened to my parents more. (laughs) And of course it doesn't help when you're 18, 19, et cetera, you know? Um, But anyway, so he made me do all that. So I had options, um, but my mind was, was made up. I wanted to go to West Point. So I went, it was four years of, um, of frankly bullshit, I'm not, I'm not a big West Point advocate. We're not going to get into that because that's a whole other podcast to unpack. Enough, dude. Yep. Um, <laughs> I'll save that but, for the podcast with bourbon. <laughs> dude, that sounds amazing. Um, so yeah, so that's, you know, that'll be a, a different podcast. We can, we can pencil that in for there later on. Um, but yeah, so went there long story short. Um, I applied to the, the Baylor program. Um, I didn't get in. I was on the wait list. I was according to my Baylor rep, you know, his, his words, not mine. I was the number one on the wait list. Um, but there was some politics at play with West Point and they didn't want cadets to attend that school. Okay. Um, which for a whole number of reasons, again, we can unpack later, I think is total BS. Um, and, and basically what ended up happening was there was another cadet who applied with me and she is incredibly intelligent. I think I'm a pretty smart dude. She blew me out of the water, man. Yeah. Um, just like test scores, grades, like you can't even imagine. Um, and so she outright got in. And then what West Point did when they found out that we went through with it after we'd basically been told not to was they called the schoolhouse and threatened the school director with not getting his next promotion and pulled our packets. Jeez. So since she got in, like the school found a way to, to basically reintroduce her to the next class. And they told me like, hey man, you're SOL. You know, <laughs> just just go to your branch in the army, which I branched medical service corps. So I was in charge of like combat medics and that kind of a thing. Um, and so they, they were like, you know, serve three to five years and then put in a waiver to to go and do an additional school and, and maybe come back to us in three years. And I was like, 
nah, that Good sounds that. <laughs> yeah. Like why would I be in the army for three to five years and then go to a three-year army school and then owe you another six years? Like at that point, I'm basically forced to be in for almost 15 years. Like, why? Might as well That's, just go the route and retire at the end of it. <laughs> I mean, at that point. Yeah. And, and the army was never a career for me. Um, yeah. And this is something that a lot of people kind of remark on, you know, West Point was always a stepping stone for me. It was a way to get to the physical therapy program. Sure. And that was a way to become a physical therapist, serve my time. Of course, I wanted to film, fulfill my obligation and get out. Um, so anyway, so I go in the army, medical service corps, get assigned to a, a combat um, platoon or rather a combat battalion at Fort Hood, which is not a nice place i'm sure you've seen some of the stuff in the news from from a few so, months ago. yeah a few of the things the news is doing well is reporting on the the things we would love to be able to turn a blind eye to and some of us are but uh yeah fort hood got some history there <laughs> yeah and i mean it's it's sad too because um when all of that broke you know not so much my family they they kind of understood but my wife's family reached out and they were like what is going on at fort hood and my wife and i were like oh this is just what goes on it's yeah, the only difference the is that now, yeah, only difference is that now it's just getting national attention yeah. because for once a soldier's family was able to advocate properly yeah. and, that, and that's it, which is super sad. But anyways, I get there, get assigned to a battalion and immediately right off the bat as a butter bar, I've been in the army for less than like four months. I'm assigned to a battalion staff. So it's me and like three majors and a bunch of pissed off captains who, who just got out of company command and really wish they were back in company command. <laughs> and then a bunch of like super crusty senior NCOs and then me running a battalion. Hey guys. Yeah. Hey guys, <laughs> I'm the butter bar from West yeah. Point. Hi. Yeah. yeah that like, who's, this, who's this asshole? <laughs> yeah, very much so. Um, and so it's, yeah, you know, being a medical operations officer is what my official title was. It's a super difficult role in the army. My hat goes off to all the meadows in the army because no one understands what you do and what you don't do. And everyone thinks you do things that you don't and vice versa. Um, so it's just a, a mess of a job. I was there for a couple of years in, in that position and I had some horrible health issues. And I'd kind of had some, some health issues on and off throughout my life, um, mostly like digestive stuff. And we just kind of thought it was normal. Yeah. I had a couple of like weird, like, you know, gastrointestinal reflux disease and, you know, uh, things, things of that nature diagnoses in my teens. Um, I had some issues like managing my weight and specifically with recovery and muscle mass and things mm -hmm. like that, uh, which again, just kind of got me into like the performance hole in high school, yeah. right. And thinking about how do I, like, I see all my friends and they're sleeping four to six hours a night playing video games. They're eating junk food. And then we go to the gym and they're just destroying me. Yeah. And then the next day they're fine. And I'm wrecked for days and i'm eating right i'm sleeping eight to ten hours a night i'm taking like high quality supplements like i don't know what's going on right all those things anyways um so all those health issues that have been there my whole life kind of come to a head in the army and i just chalked up to stress because i was stressed out of my mind man like that's a insane position to be in. i was supposed to be yeah. a captain in that position just for context and i was a brand new lieutenant so someone who's supposed to have like four to five years experience in the army in that position less than a year I'm, I'm there doing that job it's always odd when the military does i'm i'm privy to just enough information to right. be like yeah that yeah, sounds I, I pretty with, pretty with regular background <laughs> yep it is unfortunately it's super common all, all the other meadows in my brigade we were all in the same boat and so uh we we rotated out to korea and i get over there and because of my job i work with doctors because i'm in like the battalion aid station you know anyone who's injured sick etc comes through essentially me and the docs. Sure. 
And so I'm working with them and one of them looks over at me and um, he goes, RK, something's wrong with you, man. And, and I laughed. Yeah, I'm in the, the army. I had, yeah, I had like really you know, dark gallows humor. And I was like, yeah, man, like how much time you got? <laughs> and he was like, no, something's wrong with you. Like your skin doesn't look right. I've watched you lose an insane amount of weight since we've been here. And for me, that was standard. It, was, it wasn't unusual for me to go into the field for a field problem and lose 30, 40 pounds oh. in like two to three weeks. Mm. That was what I'd always dealt with. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, it's just, it's just the MREs. Because everyone, of course, you know, complains that the MREs are destroying them. I thought it was just normal. Yeah. And he's like, no, something's wrong with you. So we did some blood work and some things came back not normal. <laughs> I had some, like, massive micronutrient deficiencies and some other problems and some it were really high inflammation markers. And, again, because of the military, it took me a year and a half to get to a specialist. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't um, move fast so, there. Yeah. No, it doesn't move fast. And I had to try all these different medications and all these different interventions that just made things worse and finally get to a specialist and first appointment. He reads my patient history. And because I'm uh, an air force brat, he had access to everything from my, yeah. my pediatrician and stuff. So he sees everything and he looks at me and he goes, Oh, you're a celiac. And I went, what? And he goes, yeah, you can't be in the army. You're permanently non-deployable because we can't guarantee we can give you gluten-free MREs. And I was oh. just floored. Wow. I was like, wait, what? Like, dude, like I've been in the army for three and a half years. I'm coming up on a promotion in six months to captain. Finally, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, you finally to, arrived. Yeah. Like I finally <laughs> arrived. Right. Like, yeah. Like I was, you know, at that point I was in a brigade um, position. I was in two Oh four positions. I was as a junior <laughs> Who too? Um, and because I was performing really well in that position, I'd been like kind of, you know, seen by some people and they were, I would, I'd basically been picked to go and take over a forward surgical team and deploy to Syria in a year. Wow. And I was like, finally, I get to actually do my job in a yeah. place that matters. So I was like pumped for that. Um, and then he just drops that bomb on me and he's like, yeah, you're going to be out of the army in six months. And I was like, dude, no way. And I, I didn't believe him. And I demanded that I get, you know, a second, you know, doctor, second doctor concurred. I said, you're an idiot. Refer me off post. They referred me off post. That third doctor was like, dude, I can't do anything for you. Their diagnosis is, is like, correct. You can't stay in the army. Yeah. And like six months later I was out. So that was, that was nuts. And I, I fought to stay in, not because I like wanted to stay in the army, um, but I was only in the army for a little over three years and I was supposed to serve at least five active duty and then three in the reserves. Um, and I wanted to finish my obligation, but yeah, you know, man, it's, it's, um, I can appreciate that as, as an athlete. Um, you know, I won't go down the rabbit hole of the position my wife is in right now with the military, but, um, I definitely have some, uh, a level of compassion for that story and i can yeah. probably fill in some of the blanks but i also also can empathize with the idea of um the obligation wanting to fulfill that and and saying you put all this effort in you've gone through all of the the loopholes you've gone through the ringer essentially to mm-hmm. earn these positions and you're you know you're a foot away from the goal line and they go came over and you're like what yeah you know uh so i i can appreciate that i'm sure that um mentally and and physically um it has it has a well definitely has a, a some kind of effect on you and generally oh, it's yeah. gonna be negative so yeah. I'm, I'm sure of that um it's interesting because we've we've you and i have exchanged a couple of messages um in our group about about the digestive issues and yep. 
Um, I'm laughing to myself while you're telling that story because recently out here, I've had digestive issues on and off for, I don't know, years, right? But I also know that I, I struggle with my food and all these things and right. it clears up, it goes away, whatever. But I've, as I get older, my skin, I've been diagnosed with some eczema. I've been, you know, all like my skin is incredibly dry from like the chest up. Yep. And I went to, you know, like working with a couple of people like, yeah, dude, it's a gut issue. And I started cleaning up and and all these things started clearing up. And then second, I get my food into some kind of wacky situation. And all all it takes is like three days in a row and then bam, it's right back. In in trying to figure out what foods it was. Yeah. And, and I went to, um, you know, being military, uh, I got off base with it. And the first doctor I sat down with, he goes, no, the, the gut and the skin don't have any relationship together. And I, I, I like, I'm sitting here going like, walk yeah, at the door, man. Yeah. He's yeah. like, we'll still get your blood check. Let's see if we have, you know, uh, some kind of IBS. I'm like, it's not, I don't have any pain. I have zero pain. I'm telling right. you that this manifests back and forth. It's mm-hmm. been going on for you. And I'm trying to like coach the doctor into like, and here's what I know. Yeah. I'm trying to like, and I'm like, this is the problem is not that I'm telling you I'm smarter than you. I'm telling you that your education has failed you at the, at the Edge the margins of, the, of what of the yeah, education right exactly. and um you know i ended up not following through and i just i need to get my blood work done but i'm laughing because we've exchanged these conversations a little bit and you're just looking around and you're like ah, it's one of those things where it's yeah, it it's not that difficult it's just yeah. it's simple it's very simple it's yeah. just not easy yeah so you know and and yeah and that's and that's actually a great kind of theme for this podcast i think um my, my approach to a lot of things is to do them in a simple way, but that doesn't mean that they're easy. No, basics um, are not so, easy. No, no the I, basics aren't easy. That's why they're part. the basics and you got to yeah. master them. So, yeah. So, um, so anyways, get out of the army and my transition was so fast and so sudden um, that, and I was fighting it the entire time. Yeah. So it's not like it was just kind of like, okay, yep. Like this is happening. Like, let me start looking at what I can do on the outside it was very much like, no, I'm going to fight this every step of the way. And I'm going to find ways to appeal and to say no and to try and stop this. Because uh, I, I was really determined to finish my mm. obligation. I'm from a family of service. Uh, my yeah. wife is from a massive family of service, man. She's a uh, fifth generation West Pointer. Wow. She's like the 12th or 13th in her family. First girl to go. That's where we, where we met. We met at West Point. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah. So like, I mean, her family can trace history of service all the way back to like the seven years war predating the American revolution. Right. Damn. So, so when I say like a legacy of service from <laughs> yeah. us, like it's, a, it's another level. Um, so yeah, so th- there's some pressure from that, but also just like the way I've been raised is if you agree to something, you're going to go through with it. And I okay. agreed to give the army that time. So I felt like I was kind of cheating the American taxpayer in some ways. Um, so anyways, fought, fought the transition and that wasn't the wisest decision. Looking back, I should have just gone with it um, because then basically I got the final results and about 30 days later, I was actually out of the army. Um, and so that was very much like, Oh crap, I need a job. (laughs) Um, like, what am I going to do to make money? And it was like, well, I've got my bachelor's and my master's at that point. I had my block one. I didn't have my CSCS yet. Um, and I just wrapped up my master's and I was actually talking with Chris McQuilkin. We were catching up on the phone one day. And he was like, RK, dude, you just got out. You just finished your master's. If you don't take your CSCS right now, you're going to kick yourself for it. Yeah. 
you just finished it, you're in the student mindset, you went through the book three times in your master's courses, like, you know, the material, just go take the test. And I didn't do it. And, and I can't think of a good reason why not. And so I, I look back at that kind of, again, like we were talking earlier, you're like, man, I really would have wish I would have listened to that mentor earlier. Um, but anyway, I had, I had an offer for, for a job in, in the finance world and the pay was phenomenal. And I thought, you know, okay, like this is how I'll, this is how I'll do it. This is how I'll provide for my family. I'll go into this. The schedule is actually pretty awesome. It allows me some time to kind of coach on my own time. And so I found an OPEX gym near, near where we were living and, and contacted the owner. And he was like more than happy to bring me on as a volunteer. Let me, you know, basically use the facility yeah, um, just cool. in exchange for not paying me for volunteering. And it was great too, because he doesn't like working with athletes. He likes working with people who are just getting into like health and fitness and starting yeah, their journey. That's cool. And I really like performance and working with athletes. So I would go in and help him with like, when his, when his serious athletes were there and he would just take kind of the health and fitness folks and I'd get home at the end of the day and my wife would look at me and she'd go, this is the only time of the day I see you happy. <laughs> and she was like, you know, you wake up in the morning and you're miserable and you're stressed and you're, you're not enjoying your job and you go and you spend three hours at the gym coaching every other day and you come back and you're just beaming. And I was like, crap, you're right. Um, and so she was like, no, you're out. And I'm still in, like my pay is still steady. Like we can do this. And so she was a huge supporter and kind of a, a nudger in the right direction for me of like, you know, leave the finance job and make coaching happen. Love and I was that. like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, she's right. And so that was also right around the time that the power athlete did the podcast with Nick Winkleman, the first one mm. and hearing his story. Cause I, at that point I'd studied rugby quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I've studied it. My, my capstone for my master's was on rugby. I'd studied it a lot when I was uh, in at West Point for my bachelor's. I did some work with some instructors there who were working on what is now the ACFT and yeah. what was then going to be the, uh, the OPFT, the occupational physical fitness test. So like when you assess into the army, they were going to do this test to see if you were fit enough, like what jobs you were fit enough for uh, and, and were less likely to be injured in, in the initial training for. And so I helped with a lot of like the normative testing for that and kind of things. And we were developing some of the tests. Very and cool. as we did that, we were trying to figure out, you know, how uh, sports organizations screen athletes. So we looked at the NFL combine and decided that it wasn't what we were looking for. Um, <laughs> there were some things that were useful and some things that weren't. I'm not going to restart that whole debate. Um, but yeah, so we, we, we pulled some things from that, but weren't too thrilled with it. And then there were a few other sports we were looking at. And we basically settled on the NHL and rugby. And, Love it. and we, and we ended up, yeah, I, I knew you would like that. Yeah. <laughs> but we ended up going with rugby because of the, the running demands you know, sure. versus the skating demands. And then the muscle mass that mm-hmm. rugby players have to yeah. carry to survive. Um, very similar to the muscle mass soldiers need to have to properly support body armor and rucksacks and things of that nature. Yeah. It makes sense. So we you. saw, so we saw a lot of carryover between kind of what we would want, you know, soldiers in the army to look like and what rugby was re- requiring of its athletes. Sure. So that's when I kind of became aware of rugby and was always kind of in the back of my mind. Uh, I knew there were some rugby clubs in Austin and I was, you know, interested in getting involved with those now that I was out of the army and had the time and I looked at, you know, some jobs in, in SNC and the market in Texas, big shock, is super saturated. Okay. <laughs> uh, right. You know, with how big sports are, you know, pretty much everywhere you go, there's some sort of a sports performance center and they've got like staff out the wazoo. Yeah. And they're all, you know, athletes from that area who, 
you know, maybe they know what they're doing or maybe they don't. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole either. Um, but then when you apply, it's pretty much like, oh, well, are you from the area? No. Well, did you, were you like a really big name in high school sports? No. There's the pol- uh, politics of it all. Yeah. Uh. And it's like, well, well, then you can't, we can't really draw you in. And I'm like, dude, I've got a master's degree. And like your director of conditioning has a bachelor's in psychology, like not bashing, you know, people bachelor's no, in psychology. No, but it's pretty specific to what we're trying but, to do here. <laughs> right. But like, uh, <laughs> like, if you want a guy for performance, I'm your guy. Probably, yeah. um, and they just weren't interested. So I knew I didn't want to go the collegiate route because man, collegiate strength coaches just get chewed up. Their, their job is you so You got to be at particular schools for that stuff. You and do. even then, and and, even and then even you got to have a really chewed up. Yeah. You got to have a really uh, functional system that you yeah. run. Yep. And you've got to have an incredible support network to, to make those hours yeah. happen. So I was looking at all of that and was like, mm, not interested in that. So what I had basically settled on uh, was I wanted to be a high school SNC coach. And Which is so, awesome. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, again, the block one focuses mostly on developing athleticism. I'm super passionate about developing athletes and specifically athleticism because I was not an athletic kid. (laughs) And so I think, you know, looking back now, where I am now is totally different than where I was in high school. And I look at all the things I did in high school. And of course, it's just all the wrong stuff, man. Um, And I just, you know, keep thinking like, oh, my gosh, if if I had had like a block one coach in my life as a middle schooler and a high schooler, like things you know, I'm not saying they would have been different, but man, like, they could have been. 180, man. Exactly. 180. I say yeah. that all the time, all the time. I wasn't yep. going pro. It didn't matter what you do with me in the gym. That wasn't the point, but like bigger, faster, healthier, stronger, mentally oh, yeah. put together. I would have probably done better in school. Oh, better, better in school, better in life, better. In Confident everything. about who I am as a human. Yeah, yeah exactly. Dude. Yeah. A hundred percent. But that's why you are where you are right now, because it, you it is right. You needed, you needed it later in life to yep. find that passion, dude. Yeah. Yep. So, so anyway, so that's, that's kind of the whole story. I decided to leave and uh, I applied to a bunch of jobs at the high school level, most like assistant SNC roles. Um, because I liked the schools cause the hours were good. The, the pay wasn't great, but it was stable and the benefits were there. And I was like, that's all we really need. Yeah. Get some experience, see what's going on. Yeah, get some experience, get, you know, get, you know, some seasons under my belt and just kind of go from there. And no one wanted to hire me cause I didn't have my CSCS. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I should listen to Chris. <laughs> so Started studying for it, got the group together with you and Lewis. And then of course COVID hit. Yeah. I had we were mine, juggling all that crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Had mine delayed. And, you know, thankfully in, in the interim, I was able to find a job at a physical therapy clinic working officially as a tech, but unofficially I was the SNC coach for the clinic. Um, you know, PTs would regularly pull me in to, to evaluations and be like, Hey, yeah this is a higher level person. Uh, I know they have dysfunction because they're reporting pain with this movement, but I don't see any movement faults. And then they would do it. And I'd be like, Whoa, don't ever do that again. We're going to fix you. It's okay. (laughs) Um, So, so yeah, so that was really cool. Cause like it was kind of a, a a bridge for the gap between what traditional physical therapy school is like and, and versus kind of what higher level, you know, people who do casual triathlons, marathons, et cetera, uh, you know, power lifters, amateur power lifters, that kind of a thing. Like PTs don't really see those movement faults and don't really understand that because it's at a level of minutia for sport yeah. and not yep. so much for health. Um, and so that's where the block one and my background came in really handy. So that was awesome. I was there for about a year. It was a good stopgap to just kind of keep money flowing in and keep some experience. It was amazing to develop me as a coach, man. 
because oh yeah you learn working with different with, in, uh, different environment for oh sure. different environment completely different set of language completely different set of outcome goals and then not to mention like you're working with by and large a non-athlete population yeah you're totally and, inflating your 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 uh uh, your briefcase of capacity to communicate, to, yes. you know, like yes, um, see new things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maneuver. Like you're like, Oh, this is the scale well, we and, usually use. And this scale doesn't work either. Holy and shit. And the scale doesn't work here either. <laughs> yeah. And like having, having I, uh, the way I phrased it to one of the, the physical therapists when we were talking about it was, you know, I've, I've had to reframe my lens. Yeah, I'm still 100%. applying the same lens to movement, but I'm reframing what the outcomes are yeah. and what the desired outcomes are. Cause when you work with someone who's never played athletics, which I ran into a lot and it was really unusual for me to work with like a 35 year old man who has low back pain because he's a computer coder working from home. And, you know, we're, we're working to fire his glutes because they're not firing and I'm queuing him up into an athletic position to do some resisted lateral walks. And I tell him, you know, oh, just set up an athletic position for me. What's that? And he looks at me and goes, a what? And I was like, uh, a ready stance. Like, did you play football or, or like, you know, you're, you're working like with a grown man. Position. You're working with a grown man that is at the middle school, if not younger youth, um, yeah. the very novice you know, entrance point of, of oh, yeah. training of moving. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had people that, you know, looking at their, their biological age, you know, yeah, they're older, their chronological age. Yeah. They're older, their training age. They're like, a, you know, prepubescent. Right. I'm telling them to straighten their arm while keeping their, their elbow locked, right. To do like a, a front shoulder raise and they're <laughs> bending and going straight up. And I'm like, no, straighten your arm and they, they can't do it. Yeah. So like, that was just nuts, man. But that was really great for me to expand my, my ability to coach and my language in coaching, um, especially now that I'm where I am now working with people that are international and have different ways of communicating. Yeah. It's huge. Yep. It's huge. So yeah. So anyways, um, you know, long story short, I was in that job and, um, was trying to find another job. I eventually got my CSCS. <laughs> it took forever with COVID. It, <laughs> it was, was such a weird, six, it was a weird year, man. Dude, it was such a weird, yeah. It took about yeah. six months past my original test date to finally get it. When I found an open facility that was open because twice I showed up to a facility that was, was open online and was closed. I know that I remember receiving those texts from you and just being like, ah, that's gut wrenching. But oh, that dude, is like gut wrenching. You show up and you're ready to go and your mindset is there. And you're like, I've been studying for six months. I know, I know this. And then you walk up to a locked door. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was, that was rough. So anyways, finally got that and, you know, had just a, a general, you know, job notification on LinkedIn for anything, strength and conditioning or performance, et cetera. And I got an email one day uh, that said that the Dallas Jackals in major league rugby were hiring. And I was like, clicked on the link, read the description and looked at my wife. And I said, am I crazy or am I qualified for this? Yeah. That's a weird feeling. It's a weird feeling, dude. Exactly. And she read it and she went, you're, you're qualified, baby apply. And I was like, okay. So I applied a couple of weeks go by. I don't hear anything, which I, I mean, I think I'd applied to close to 50 different jobs at that point uh, in in a year. So I knew what that meant. I was like, okay, that, that they're not interested. Right. And then a couple of days later, I get an email from the assistant GM and she says, you know, Hey, RK, we, we appreciate your application. We're not going to consider you for the head role. Uh, however, we are interested in interviewing you for an assistant position. You know, if you have availability in the next few days, please respond and let me know. So I responded. I was like, Hey, that's fantastic. Yes. I would love to interview for an assistant position because right. in my mind, I'm definitely like, 
I can't believe I applied to a head physician as technically yeah, my yeah, first S and C job. Like, what am I thinking? Yeah, I mean, normally you're gonna feel that like level of like, am I ready? Am I the person? Oh, you yeah, would have the, handled. The, you would have handled it just fine either way. But yeah, um, there is a level of like, yeah, let me let me dip my toe real quick. Let's see what happens here. And, yeah, <laughs> and that's just. I mean, yeah, you know, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. You know, Wayne Gretzky, Michael, Michael Scott. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do this. And so uh, set up a position for the interview. She took a couple of weeks to get back to me, which I mm-hmm. thought was a really bad sign. And I was like, oh, man, they really don't like me. Like, maybe they feel guilty. <laughs> I, I don't like, I don't this know why they're interviewing me. It's just, yeah, this poor schlub. Like, oh, look at this. He's got like the, you know, medically retired veteran box, <laughs> you know, check. Technically, we have to. <laughs> Cause that is a requirement. If there's a certain number of applicants that are applying and one of them is, you know, meets those things, they have to be yeah. interviewed. And it's like, okay, this is probably a have to do and not a like genuine interest. Mm. So she gets back to me a couple of weeks later and sends me the, the link and tells me I'm going to be talking to the director of rugby and I'm going to be talking to their strength and conditioning consultant, uh, both of whom are in Ireland working in, in Irish rugby. And I was like, okay, cool. So I hop on, it's a quick 30 minute interview went really well. And I, um, you know, got off and told my wife, she was at work. I texted her. I was like, Hey, I just finished, you know, I think it went well. I think they might be interested in interviewing me again. They said it would be, you know, probably five, 10 business days before they would contact me. So we'll, we'll just see what happens. Like 20 minutes later, they've contacted (laughs) me. Hey, we want to interview you next week. It's going to be an hour long, you know, interview. You have 10 minutes at the beginning to present your vision for the department Oh shit! to provide a mission statement and to present a week's worth of in-season programming to display in whatever manner you want. But you must be able to explain everything in the week. Wow. And I got that and I was like, that's a lot for an assistant position. And I asked my wife, I was like, do you think they're looking at me for the head job? And she went, no, she, <laughs> went, <laughs> she went, no, baby, I love you, but, but no. They're, they've already got their head coach picked. They just haven't announced it yet. And they're just seeing if you're a good fit. And I was like, yeah, you know what? She's probably right. They're probably just seeing if I'm like complimentary to his approach. And if, if, I, you're, if you're competent at all. <laughs> if, I, if I'm competent, yeah. And if I'm like someone who can add value to the department and like she's, she's right. So I get ready for it and prep and everything. Do the interview. It goes really well. And um, that was with a few more people from the team on the call, which was kind of unnerving. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, man. Yeah, man. So there were definite nerves for sure. And so I finished that call and it, again, it went super well. And I just remember thinking, this is so weird because they were asking me all these questions about how would I restructure the week? How would I do this in X situation? How would I react to an athlete telling me this or a coach telling me this or blah, 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 blah. And like, they were big decisions. They were asking me to basically role play out with them. And I thought, well, that's really strange. And that afternoon, as I'm driving into the physical therapy clinic, the assistant GM calls me and she's, she's in Dallas. And I answer the phone. I'm like, hey, you know, really good to hear from you. What's going on? You know, why are you calling me? You told me it was going to be like a couple days. You know, it's like two hours later. Um, and she was like, oh, it sounds like you're, you know, in your car. Are you driving somewhere? And I was like, yeah, I'm heading into the clinic for my shift. And she's like, oh, that's great. Just call me afterwards. Oh, no, 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 no. And I was like, are you serious? Because like my shift is like eight hours long. I'm not going to be getting off till late tonight. Like I'm working the afternoon, evening shift. Like we can just talk now. It's a 20 minute drive. And she's like, no, that's okay. Just give me a call. Son of a bitch. Dude, I have like no clue what went on that day. 
yeah, you know, I was just like not ball. mentally yeah. present. And so I, I get off, you know, get off shift and go out to my truck like as soon as I can yeah. and just get my, my phone pulled out and call her back. And she starts off and cracked me up asking me like, well, how do you think the interview went today? And worse. well, when you were asked this question, <laughs> what'd you think about that? And well, you know, you responded this way, like, can you explain that a little bit more? And I thought, gosh, they're just ripping me apart. They did not like me. This is going to lead into her being like, yeah, this, these are all the reasons why we're not going. With By you. the way, you suck. Yeah, that's totally <laughs> oh, what I was just waiting oh. for at the end of it. <laughs> and so then like, there was a kind of a natural pause in the conversation and she goes, we want to offer you the position. So cool. And I said, okay, I need some clarification here. When you say you're offering me the position, what position are we talking about? Because you emailed me like a month ago saying that you wanted to interview me for an assistant position. And I feel like everything I just did was a head job. Yeah. So I was like, oh yeah, no, you're our head SNC coach. Oh shit. And I was just floored. Wow. Like I had no idea what to say sitting in this like, parking lot of a physical therapy clinic in north <laughs> austin at like nine at night yeah i was just like floored so that was amazing and so oh. the, the jackals brought me on and um i reduced my hours at the clinic they started paying me like a, a stipend essentially to kind of act as a retainer um and we started you know off-season programming and so i was meeting with the head coach once a week i was meeting with their snc consultant who's a guy over in ireland who's been you know coaching rugby at a high level uh, specifically SNC for rugby at a high level for about 15 years. So super knowledgeable, super talented, very successful. And he was just kind of mentoring me and providing me some, you know, guidance on these things and explaining kind of how it's done in rugby and why and breaking those things down. Sure. Um, and so we, you know, we did the, did the lead up for that. And that was amazing, man, getting to, the, to meet the players and like see their lifts and everything. And I mean, just some of them had fantastic form and some of them had god awful form but when you're moving so surreal dude but when you're moving like 585 pounds for reps yeah like oh my gosh we'll let this give a little (laughs) yeah like okay we we can let this slide a little bit here and then and then when one of your players sends you you know him basically doing like 100 meter and he's running it in like 11 2 11 3 which is insanely fast yeah and then you pull up his stats you're like oh my gosh you're 6'4 250 pounds holy smokes and you're hauling yeah just terrifying man like another like another level (laughs) of athlete so it was just it was amazing to get to work with them and implement that um and definitely was implementing you know uh, a power athlete methodology style approach um because you know something that's really common in in pro sports is guys are just undertrained because they they lack the coordination yep and they've been able to just perform without the training and so, and a lot of people think they need the flashy, you know, stuff and they don't. So I just took everything back to, to <laughs> Joel Seedman. What? Yeah. Dude, seriously. Uh, that's so, a yeah. third podcast with two bourbons. <laughs> seriously though, it is. We, you know, we, we could do that. That'd be really fun actually. <laughs> but yeah. So anyways, you know, just took it back to like the basics and a lot of guys were getting stronger than they'd been before, feeling faster, feeling more powerful. And it was just because we were doing the things that we know work. Yeah. And, we were gaps and, stuff in, like really, yep, and just doing them in really safe ways, filling gaps in their, in their foundation of strength and power and, you know, building an aerobic base for them deliberately. A lot of them hadn't had that uh, because of the MLR, you know, really. And what's, this is what I think is so cool about the MLR. It's focused on developing domestic talent for rugby. 
yes, there's a lot of foreign players that come in because we have to, to raise the level of play. Right. But it's still focused on developing domestic talent. And so a lot of these guys are finding rugby in high school or in college because maybe they were starting off as a lineman in middle school and then they just couldn't maintain weight into high school. But then the rugby coach grabs them because they're fast and they can take a hit. Different athleticism. Exactly. Different, different type of athleticism, or maybe they get to college and they walk onto the football team and they realize it's a horrible culture and they don't want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. So many variables, man. And then, yep. And then the rugby coach reaches out to them because they're fast and they're strong and they know how to hit. So like a lot of the guys or even better get hit. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. And so a lot of the guys that we're dealing with, you know, were football, hockey players. They were, they were multi-sport athletes almost across the board. Guys smart enough to understand systems, stupid enough to be willing to execute them. Yeah. Yep. hundred percent athletes. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. So, so they came in and, you know, they're, they're kind of new to rugby, but more to the point because they've come up through the American, I hate to even say strength and conditioning system because it's not a system, but they've come up through that. Right. So you and I know what they've been exposed to and what they need. So it was really great to like lay that foundation for them. All of the overseas guys, man, they had it. Their foundation really? was laid. They, they came up with sound S&C coaches. They came up through the academy system. And for them, that was fun to work with because while I had everyone else doing like just the basic squat progression and things of that nature, like I could really get into some performance with those guys. Yeah, that's cool. Um, that you really couldn't do with the American players, you know, prudently. Um, yeah, it so was, just, yeah, not yet. You weren't able to do them. Yep. Right? Yep. So just, you know, an amazing population to work with. And I was with uh, the Jackals through February, which we're still in February. Um, so, so basically what, what ended up, you know, happening was uh, due to COVID because uh, the Jackals are an expansion team. They were announced in July. So they had like less than a year to get ready for the season. So due to COVID, there were a lot of issues with getting our head coach and our attack coach over from the UK uh, we were also trying to get some other players over. We had a lot of players coming from the UK and they were having trouble getting their visas approved because that was right when like the new strain of COVID was arising in Britain. So they were in a hard lockdown and we were having some other like, you know, um, just issues with just getting things ready to go and making sure that the stadium was prepared properly and all of those things. Cause again, completely new team. So we had to start from scratch in COVID. So the, the owners and the president, you know, decided, Hey, we're going to pump the brakes. We're going to, we're going to take the time to do this right. So there was a dispersal draft and the players went to other teams and uh, they'll, they'll continue to be, you know, paid by the Jackals. They're still financially viable. Uh, We're just taking the time to make sure that everything for the stadium is in place and to make sure that like we have all of our coaching staff in the U S with their, you can't rush that foundation, man. No, you can't. And you've got to lay it, you know, properly. And so I think it's, it's a good thing. It's a strategic decision. It's a hard decision for sure. sure. Um, And so that was basically decided, unfortunately for Alex and I, right after Alex got out of the army and right after we moved to Dallas for a job. (laughs) Um, So that was, that was a bit of a blow. Um, but you know, the team handled it well. They, they offered to help us in any way that they could. And I know for a fact, they mean that. Yeah. Um, because basically what happened was the day after that announcement from the team, Rooney announced that their head SNC coach was leaving. And dude, seriously, like, I don't know if you're a religious guy or not. I, I was raised the in, stars in, are in, aligning, in a, baby. I was raised, I was raised in a Christian household. And for me, that was just God providing, and so, the, yep. So the SNC consultant from Ireland contacts me. And he's like, "Hey, I know their head SNC coach. He and I grew up playing rugby together. Wow. We went to the same <laughs> school together. He and I talk like weekly. 
I'm going to put in a good word for you because I think you're incredible and you have a chance to be developed this season. And I was like, Hey, I really appreciate that. But like, please don't. We just moved to Dallas. My wife just got out of the army. Yeah. Like we were dual military for almost four years. Like we, we had no time together. Like, even if I'm just like back in a physical therapy clinic or something, I just want to be like with her. Yeah. We want to find some normalcy. Yeah. We want to find some stability in our lives. Yeah. And I talked to her with my wife and, and same, same thing, man. She was encouraging. She was like, we don't have any kids. Like I'm here. We can cover it with what the, with what the pay would be like, go. So I was like, okay. So I agreed to an interview with the head coach here and with the, the head SNC coach, both fantastic people. And less than 24 hours later, they'd made me an offer. And a week after that, I was on a plane to Newark. <sighs> Which, like, I never thought in a million years I'd be back in the Northeast. I've lived, I've lived pretty much just about everywhere in the U.S. There's only a few places I haven't lived. Um, and I have lived in the Northeast because of my, my time at West Point, obviously. And it's not that, like I hate the Northeast or anything. Like, please don't yeah. get me wrong. No. But, but like, I just never envisioned myself living here yeah, dude, for any period of time. I, I'll just, I'll just say from um, our experience down here in Southeast Jersey, mm-hmm. you're lucky to be up in Northern Jersey. Um, Cause everything I've heard is that it's, it's a much, much more pleasant experience in terms of living. I'm sure there's some other areas of life that maybe you would prefer down here, but, um, there's nothing to do down here. Uh, so like, we always joke like, Oh, best thing about Jersey is Philadelphia and New York city are right there for us. But well, I was just going to say, we're in COVID, so we're just like, gonna say where you are in Jersey, you're right by Philly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so, but dude, you're, you're near so, Cherry Hill, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're like okay. 10, 15 minutes on the road from it. We're Mount Lawrence, yeah. but, um, so now you're with Rooney. How, yeah. What is that position? Is it a temporary position or is yeah, it like, so, yeah. So, so the contract with Rooney is just for the season. And, I, and I'm the head SNC for this point. So we're wow. looking at hiring an assistant SNC um, and we're looking to bring on an intern as well because wow. um, just the, the sheer workload is, is a lot. I'm sure. Um, and the problem is, you know, trying to find someone who can enter our team bubble. Like everyone's pretty much staying in the same apartments. The team's putting them up for everybody. Um, you know, we travel for half of our matches. Yeah. So that's eight weeks out of the year we're traveling. Um, and like, you've got to be in the bubble because yeah, we're dude. getting tested twice a week. And if, you know, if, I think with the MLR rules of like 2% of the team, which it's a team of 30 players and a staff of about 15, we're talking about like one person, right? Yeah. If they come up, you know, positive, you forfeit your upcoming game. Everyone goes into lockdown. Everyone's mm-hmm. tested again. Everyone's contact traced. And like your season is completely disrupted. And so that's, that's, there's a lot there. That's for sure. Yeah. So it's just been like, you know, just, just a nut scenario. So I'm finishing my quarantine. I was supposed to be released today. I did my test a few days ago. Um, but unfortunately due to the weather moving across the plains, the test was delayed en route to the lab. Yeah. So it's not going to get there till Monday, which is president's day. <laughs> so it's not going to get processed till Tuesday. So we'll have the results Wednesday. Yeah. Shit, <laughs> so like I'm, I'm missing half of the training week that I was supposed to have with the team to do the handoff with the head SNC coach who's on his way out. Cause he's going to a different opportunity that arose. Oh. So yeah, like it's, it, but ev- every, every step of the way that you've, I mean, if we take this full circle back to high school and you know, the military decision, all those things, every, every step that you've taken 
And I don't think this is that crazy for anybody if they actually take this. When they, they take st- when they start hitting a stride where they're like, holy shit, like you said, you know, in religion, it's just kind of like God going, all right, motherfucker, let's go. <laughs> you know, I'm going to take you. Um, and whatever you want to pave that with, it's always met with this adversity. And what I think is really cool about this, and this has come up uh, in the last couple of podcasts and conversations I've had with mm-hmm. actually particularly block ones. Um, it sounds like a lot of us have, um, in our cases, women mm-hmm. of, of great strength mm-hmm. and understanding that go stand in their power yep. and they go, no, you need to do what's right for you. And part of that, I'll circle this farther back to when you said, um, <clears throat> What is your, now I'm going to, I'm going to forget the whole idea there. Um, Oh, well, you were coming home from volunteering for the strength conditioning Mm -hmm. and your wife going, this is the most free, you said happy, but I think it's probably like, it's probably free. Yeah. And, and it's funny because in our household, we talk about um, those things a lot, like what opportunities may come up, what I'm, you know, what I'm looking to do all these things. And my wife has never, she never steps in the way she always, you know, stands in her power and encourages me when it sounds right. But that's, uh, your, your wife experiencing you from her standpoint of man and his purpose. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's been really amazing to see her support from that because, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I agreed in like 24 hours of the actual possibility to be away from her for a little over six months. It's hard, man. You know, it's, it's like, a, it's almost 190 days. Um, and like, we had just finished a period of time of being apart. And I was, it was really funny. I was doing the math and I was like, oh my gosh, this may, we would have hit four years of marriage, six years of actually being together. And it, we would have in June finally hit a marker where we would have had 50, 50 of our time together <laughs> apart. Eh, wait, now, push it off a little bit. Kick and that cane. now <laughs> it's going to be like next February yeah. when we finally hit that marker of like, so you think together versus time of oh, dude, who knows at this point yeah. I've stopped planning. Yeah, <laughs> man. And, and that's the other thing, dude, yeah. like we started off this podcast by like, you know, and sounds like, you know, you said you grew up in Christian um, household and, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I've heard in religion, a couple of my buddies have told me this from like, if you want to make God laugh, make a plan. Yeah, dude, right? seriously. Do your work, but allow, allow the things to just happen. And, and that's something we, we talked offline. I, I kept saying, it sounds and it feels like from my perspective, just watching what's happening for you, mm-hmm. it looks like life is just opening up to you. And when you popped on the screen here, I was like, holy shit. Now, we, don't, we haven't interacted like face to face, all these yeah. things. But as soon as you popped on, I was like, holy shit. RK looks so healthy right now. And I think that again, goes back into standing in, in your power, your wife, your wife's power, man finding purpose, which we tend to conflict or confuse with, um, who's bringing home more money. Mm-hmm. No. Do you wake up every day and feel good? Cause if you do, you're going to be able to, or you feel good about the work you're doing, the way you're providing all these things, mm-hmm. then you are going to show up in ways that it doesn't matter financially. Obviously right. most time, all of us are going to look at and go like, Fuck, dude, a yacht would be pretty cool too. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. That right. sounds sweet. But uh, man, I'm I'm really happy for you, dude, because that's yeah, those you. are really great opportunities. And you know, like you just said, yeah, I'm done planning. Yeah, you probably should you should probably stop because who knows what this is gonna launch you into and what opportunities. Mm-hmm. And you know, I ideally, you know, depending on what Alex has got going on and what she's working on, you find a position where you go, what do we want to do? Mm-hmm. 
and that's that's kind of where you're at, man. And and yeah. it, you're doing time, and it's it's tough because as we get older, uh, specifically in in our field, there's a lot of resetting on the totem totem pole. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you got to go earn your your stripes again. And you're like, son of a dude, I'm already up here. I've got and, 12 and, years of experience. I've got yeah. all this crap. And you're like, yeah, but this is another little niche area of this field, and you got to yeah, go earn the stripes. And, and that's and that's one of the things about SNC that just drives me nuts, man. Um, and you know, I, I cherry pick episodes from the NSCA's coaching podcast whenever it's like a guest I'm really interested in. But one of the things I keep hearing on the podcast that just infuriates me is like, oh yeah, you know, if you want to do well and you want to succeed, you've got to prepare to be unpaid. You've got to prepare to be underpaid. You've got to be prepared to work 18 hour days. And I'm like, no, because then you're just working for an organization that's taking advantage of you yeah. and you're not being developed. And, and, and how like do, what networks you're making? And how do you know that I haven't had all those networking experiences through all, all of my right. other experiences? Exactly. You know, like, um, you know, depending on who you're working with, mentorship or what programs you're, you know, mm-hmm. if your assistant has to see somewhere, even in private sector, oh yeah, you don't you don't know what my abilities are without having a full on conversation with me, understanding my story, my path, mm-hmm. uh, my philosophy, and you know, it, it's to me like that's kind of cool because when you interviewed, you thought you were going for the assistant. And they were in it's probably a blessing in disguise that they didn't tell you for head strength conditioning coach because you would have right. you would have meant oh, to screw been, yourself oh, up. Dude, I would have been in my head so much. Yeah, I would have and, and at the same time, <laughs> even if it was for your assistant, what they were doing is they were vetting number one, is this comp- kid competent? Mm-hmm. You know, okay, okay, we don't see any strictly S and C. It doesn't mean that you're not capable of it. Right. You know, like it's like I don't have any head coaching position uh experience in hockey. Am I capable of it? Yeah. I mean, I've got yeah, eight years of assistant are. coaching, I've got I played in college. Like mm-hmm. I have enough to give it a, a solid, you know, hard shot here. Give, um, give it the old college try. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so to me like that, yeah, you're dude, you're nailing it. I don't agree with a lot of that stuff either. I, I've been in private sector and, and I know my blind spots. I know a lot of my blind spots. I'm willing to learn about my blind spots and the ones I don't know yet when they do get you'll exposed, I'm the first person that goes, how the fuck do I fix that? Yep. And that's, that's to me more important because we can talk well, to anybody that's, that's and just the growth mindset. Right. And so yeah, that was dude. the thing that, that distinguished me according to the coaches who hired me from the other applicants. Yeah, uh, and, and, and it was really funny because both coaches told me almost the exact same thing that when, after I accepted the position, they said, you know, RK, we're not hiring you for the coach that you are, even though we think you're a good coach, yeah. we're hiring you for the coach. We know you can be. Yeah, you're going to be calm. And, and we know that you're going to make mistakes and we know that there's going to be things you don't know. But we also know that you're someone who's interested in learning and you're someone who's open to coaching and growth and criticism. And, and easy to work and you're with, you're a high man. performer. Exactly. Like, it's like you're not coming in to say like, this is the way. Like, no, this right. is the way I've learned. I don't know. How can we compliment mm-hmm. it? How can I maneuver this to make it better for this particular situation? It's, it's building a foundation that mm-hmm. you stand on. You go... Here's a few of the tricks I've learned. Do they apply yep. here? No. And you're like, what other tricks can I figure out? Yep. You know, like that's the thing about coaching, man. And we talk about this with power athlete. Mm-hmm. It's hardly about like a uh, front squad or back squad. And you're like, you really don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't give a shit. What, figure one out, load it up. Yeah. Let's go. You know, like, oh, uh, should it be 90% or 88%? Yep. Okay. Yeah. It's, can you communicate with these athletes? Do they, right. do they, do they want to go to work when you're in there? Do mm-hmm. they appreciate do they, you? Do, do they, they know that you care? Do you yeah. know their names when you see them? Can you, can you ask them how they're doing? French contrast or power, power methodology. I don't know which one makes us better today. Let's go for it. 
Yeah. Oh, we're gonna, yeah. We're going to give it a shot. Yeah. I don't know. And I don't know. What, what, what are the sport needs? What are the position needs? Like everything just comes What's back the to the needs yeah. analysis. Yeah. And, and, then, yeah. and that's the funny part about it because then you have this whole thing of like, it sounds like the dogma and kind of like the, um, the total buy. And this is how I belong to NSCA essentially of, right. I kind of repeat what they say and what they want and what the organization stands for of like, mm-hmm. be prepared. And you're like, Nah, man, that's old school thinking. It's not necessary because I could call up a buddy of mine. I could be in private sector and find out a university down the street uh, mm-hmm. has an opening and go, oh my God, you know what? RK is really great with that university level, like the high school to mm-hmm. young college. I know he knows plenty. He's willing to learn more, but most of all, he's a great mentor, a great leader for that young athlete. Mm-hmm. And he'll fill in the blanks wherever need be. That's the guy. Oh, does he have any university or pro uh, experience? no like well he's off i just told you he would be the perfect perfect applicant for mentorship and that's all these kids need an opportunity to go an opportunity same way you need an opportunity it's crazy dude which makes uh your position all that more exciting because i think that you now are in a position not only to fill your own uh um pathway of dreams mm-hmm. you know this is a passion for you i, I we talk oh, about yeah. it and like we've mm-hmm. talked about where our passions differ and mm-hmm. our common ground is like okay we love movement i love the yep. mindset side of things and you're like dude i love getting in the nitty-gritty of programming and all this oh, yeah. and i'm like yeah dude that's awesome that's the thing that lights you up so that you turn over in the morning and go get to work yeah. you know and that's so cool and you're building confidence through the experiences now the doors are starting to unlock and now to me, I'll put this pressure on you through these experiences. You do have a bit of an obligation to go see, you don't have to do it where you're going to be the team bitch or yeah. start over every other or, day. Or the like, get back coach. No, if yeah, you know you what know. you need to know, and you're willing to go into more depth and learn and grow, you are an applicant applicant that is of, of great need in the entire world of strength conditioning, regardless yeah. of the level. And I think that's and a if, huge deal, man. It is. And, and the thing is too, is, you know, if, you know, if people are listening to this, who are those people who are like us and, and if they're applying to a position that is saying, okay, well, look, you know, we can only pay you 15 grand a year and you're going to work 18 hour days. They shouldn't lap up that opportunity. They should go, Oh, well, you know, the cost of living for the area is about 32 grand. And that's to be like surviving in the area. And if you want me to work in 18 hour days, then my family needs to be safe and comfortable. Yeah. And I need to have somewhere safe to go back to. So why not bump it up to 40 grand so we can live? Yeah. And, you know, of course, whoever it is, typically universities that are offering that kind of pay are going to come back and say no. And they should just walk away. I agree. Because you know, we we as a, as a collective, as SNC coaches, we keep talking about you know being professionals and driving professionalization. Like that's never going to happen unless the compensation is there. A doctor would never agree to a position like that. Even residents are getting paid pretty well. They'll complain that the pay is low, but the pay is low relative to what they'll make when they're done with their residency. Sure, sure. right? It's still high. So, and yeah, so I look at those sorts of things and these other genuine professions where there's a third body, right? Like the state bar of New York is not the lawyers association of New York. And it's different from the national lawyers association. It's a different (laughs) entity, right? And they're certifying and you have this license and you have this registration and there's responsibility with that. And that's important for us because we are inducing stress on the body. 100%, hundred percent. And if you get that wrong, cause that also induces stress on the mind. 
Like if you get that wrong, because if, you know, for instance, we've got like a 21 year old kid who's just come over from Fiji. Oh, wow. Right. His first time in America, his first time off his home island. He's 21 years old in a country where the language is completely different from the language he's grown up speaking. He's grown up speaking Fijian with a little bit of English sprinkled in. Wow. He's working for an Irishman and a New Zealander, people who don't have similar backgrounds to him. There's one other Islander on the team who's Samoan, which is still different. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you can't say, oh, all Islanders are the same. No, they're different, man. Yeah. <laughs> so like yeah, he could feels- be conflicting. Right. He feels alone. He feels scared. We're in Jersey City, man. We're just across the, the river from New York City and Brooklyn. Like this is a whole different, there's, you know, six inches of snow on the ground. Yeah. He's never seen <laughs> snow before. Yeah. Right. And now we're taking this kid who just flew like 20 hours to get here through COVID pr- protocols. We put him into an apartment and we tell him that, hey, you've got to quarantine for a week. And you're going to get these tests done. And then we're going to take you to these places and you got to do these physicals. And then bam, you're into training. Like, we got to check in and make sure this kid is okay. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Right. Seriously. Yeah. 100%, because it, man, that's you know, so his much, sleep so much... is disrupted. His mindset, he's stressed. He's There's fatigued, a ton of trauma in there. Oh my gosh, man. And like, and now we're expecting this kid to go out and perform. Yeah. And that's when I've got to pull back and go, oh, wait a second, you know, uh, I can't really expect this kid to perform. First, I got to make sure he's healthy. Yeah. We don't need you on a barbell today, son. Yeah. No, dude, we don't need you on a barbell. Like let's do some light stuff with a dumbbell. Let's just take a lap together and talk. Exactly. Like, let's just check in. Is there anything you need? Do you need, do you need food? Do you need an American bank account? Do you need an American phone number? Like what can we do to provide for you so that you can focus on training and you can focus on performance and then you're good to go. And this was something I used to say all the time when I was in the army, you know, if you take care of your people, the people take care of the mission. And I remember catching a whole bunch of flack from my superiors because I was always pushing back on just stupid taskings and, and dumb things that they expected my, my medics to do. And I was like, look, my medics aren't doing that. There's, there's nothing that can justify having someone with that skill set and training painting rocks. Grab an infantryman, grab a tanker. Like you're not going to put one of my medics who just finished working an 18 hour range in a hundred degree heat in Fort Hood six hours later painting rocks for two days no like you've got to take care of your people so they can take care of of you and take care of the mission that's awesome man i love that i think that's a, a great place to start wrapping that up that's yeah. that's a huge deal man um all that to come full circle and to recognize that uh it truly feels and sounds and looks from my, from my angle that you are uh stepping into the next version of rk and i'm, I'm really happy to see that i know we we grew through um, some really interesting and exciting experiences, man. Like yeah. some that we'll forever remember and, and how we, you know, how you got here and then shit, dude, what another year might bring. Who knows? Uh, yeah. Seriously. At the start of 2020, I was just focused on getting my CSCS before yeah. COVID shut everything down. Now you're worrying about and, a guy from Fiji. Uh, yeah. And like, and like hoping <laughs> to get my CSCS and, and maybe get a high school job. And now I'm in my, technically in my second role as a head strength and conditioning coach in major league rugby. Like awesome. what? So yeah, awesome. nuts. Good nuts, for you. Man. Good Thank for you. you. Thank you. Um, I, we yeah. Well, knowing that you're only about an hour away from me, at some point uh, when things kind of ease up here a little bit mm-hmm. or whatever, um, we'll have to get together in person and, and oh yeah, uh, for sure, off to the city or something like that. But yeah, um, where can people find you, man? So if folks want to find me, um, probably the best place for like S and C content is my Twitter. 
which the handle is at Barker underscore RK. Apparently someone else has RK Barker. Um, <laughs> so, you know, really weird name. I didn't think it was going to be taken. Um, but anyway, so that's where they can find me. And then I'm on Instagram at RK underscore Barker. Uh, so just, just the inverse. Yeah. Um, but that's more of just like a personal Instagram. It's not so much like a coaching Instagram. That's just sure. kind of like, you know, what's, what's happening in my life, which is how you knew about all this yeah. with me. Yeah. With that picture of me flying into Newark. Because I've flown it. to Newark, who knows how many times, to and from West Point. So yeah, this was this was like one of the first times I've flown in and haven't felt like physically sick. So <laughs> that was a positive. Oh man, I know exactly what you're talking about. Unfortunately, yep. yep. <laughs> well, cool, dude. Um, I'm looking forward to to seeing uh, where this path takes you. I'm, I'm confident that uh, you're going to do really great things. I'm excited for that, and uh, Thanks, um, I'm grateful for you to share um you know your saturday afternoon with me and and uh yeah, well, dude, well thank you for taking the time and for you know for, for inviting me on it was an amazing course, opportunity course. This is my, my first podcast man i'm super excited wow well, crack that cherry open and uh absolutely um, but uh, no dude that's me being nosy too i want to figure out what's going on with people and where they're at but um it's exciting to me dude i i, I enjoy um specifically in this case you know we we shared some suffering with our with everything about cscs and yeah, obviously and we know the COVID suffering about it and, yeah dude, oh yeah man so that's, that's really cool to uh, have that experience and they got bond in there and, and I'm excited to you know, grow our friendship and hopefully um, sounds like for the next two years that we're going to be here in Jersey. So, okay. um, you know, over the next year, we'll see what happens, but we can uh, yeah. meet up at some point, but well, yeah, well, uh, yeah, hopefully in the next few months, you know, I'm hoping fingers crossed in the spring with vaccinations and whatnot, the thing is kind of lessen up a little bit. Yeah. We'll have to go. You'll have to come out to a game, man. I would our, love our, to. Yeah. Our, our home matches are in Coney Island. I would love it, man. Yeah, I would love it. Stadium out there. So you got to come out and, and catch a match. Yeah. It's going to be, uh, dude, I would love it's gonna to be a lot of fun. I can't. It's so funny. I can't think I wasn't going to be calling you for anymore. Oh, dude. I'm, I, if you thought I wasn't going to call you for tickets at some point, you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> like, screw it. Let's go. Uh, no, dude. Uh, so the last question I always ask everybody uh, mm-hmm. in some capacity is, uh, you know, when it, when it's all said and done, what will it mean for you to have lived a life well done? Yeah, man, that's a great question. Um, I think a life well done for me is being able to look back and know that I lived my life with integrity mm-hmm. and, and pretty much in all facets, right? That I was true to other people, that I was true to myself, that I was true to my calling, um, and that I've always conducted myself in a way that even people who dislike me can speak well of me. Oh. You know, may, maybe it's, oh man, RK, ugh, what an asshole damn it, he's really good at his job, or man, that guy's really smart, or that one time he was just so amazing and helping me through X, right? Like, I want to be able to have lived a life that people can look at, and it doesn't need to be anything, you know, grandiose, just needs to be a life that people can look at and go, hmm, that guy lived a good life. Like, he he did right by people. I love that, man. Integrity, you can never really go wrong with that and uh, <laughs> serving that as a Pro- purpose. Probably not the most original answer that you've ever heard, but it's, it's one that Every- resonates for me. Everybody describes it in such a different way. And I think mm-hmm. that's a, the cool thing about the word integrity is nothing we can agree on on a definition of it. My, mine is just, you know, what what, do you, what you do when nobody's looking. And, and I that, love that definition. Yeah, of dude, it, it yeah. sums up um, so much about life and our purpose and our mm-hmm. journey and how we show up. And it also embodies how do we handle making mistakes mm-hmm. learning so uh dude again good luck with your journey man if you need something we're only an hour south of you just holler um perfect man Too otherwise easy. brother good luck to you and uh please keep in touch 
Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on, man. It was great catching up with you. And, and likewise to you, dude, stay in touch. Of course. Of course. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get you out to a match one of these days. Okay. I love it. I love it. Awesome. When the weather is warmer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll man. Take it easy. Yeah. Yeah.